It's your Locked On Flyers podcast for Wednesday, May 3rd, your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high-quality content that is all about the blue line today. Yeah, I like that. Blue lines are important in today's NHL. They are. We're going to get into the Flyers defense this season and answer your mailbag questions all on today's show. Your Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, and thanks for making Locked On Flyers your first listen every day. I am Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at rmiriam. I'm here, as always, with Russ Cohen, who is on Twitter at Sportsology. This episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off your first purchase. You can subscribe or follow us for free on YouTube or anywhere you listen to podcasts to get the latest episode as soon as it's available here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Russ, uh, before we dig into the defensemen, you broke some news yesterday. Yeah, so... um. Ivan Fedotov is going back to the KHL. He's done with his army service. So this this brought up a lot of questions. And again, when I get information, I get it. I post it. I don't claim to be an expert on everything that's going on in Russia. Really, nobody is because things change all the time. There's a lot of lies that get put out there. Uh, this person I've worked with for a long, very long time, and it turns out that information is true. There was another statement that was put on. Twitter that has not been debunked, and I'm not going to even say it on the show because it really doesn't matter. People get caught up in in minutia. But the point is, he's back in the KHL, and the other point is, most likely he'll never be a flyer. And the only way that changes yeah. is if all of a sudden there's a regime change in Russia and they completely change the way they feel about the NHL and how they operate things here and how a player may be forgiven there. Uh, listen, I mean, we, we all know the story. We all know what happened. Uh, if you expected him to be back as a flyer just because he has an NHL contract, it doesn't matter. He's over there. And the, right. and the threat of him or whatever else might be going on of him leaving or trying to leave will keep him there. And so it's unfair, but it's just the way it is, folks. If it changes, we'll let you know. Like somebody will tell me and, but I don't expect to see that happen. You know, I'm interested to see how that might affect the Flyers in drafting moving forward, having had this experience. uh, Will they be less likely to to draft a Russian player just to not have to go through this again? Yeah, but, but there's the flip side. There's a lot of players recently that left Russia whose contracts were up in the KHL because also they have a cap. And I think they're... From what I hear, they may have fewer teams in the future. Don't know about that for sure, but they have a cap. So some players did sign ELCs the other day, and that is going to happen. But this is a completely different situation. And even the Miroshenko situation where he is now able to leave Russia to sign magically with the Capitals, I think it's because Alex Ovechkin is on the team, not because any other reason, because otherwise he'd be a a very big selling point in, in the KHL. So you have to look at all these situations. And just say there is no rhyme or reason. There is no one size fits all. This is Russia. 
that is probably what's going on in Washington, like you'd have to think. But uh, yeah, uh, the other bit of Flyers news, and this is a good transition into our defenseman discussion. Igor Zamula was re-signed to a one-year uh, contract extension worth $775,000. Um, I'm guessing it's a two-way deal for him. Most likely. But uh, we'll see how that gets clarified. And, you know, y- you have to feel for him having ended the season with an injury, having to have surgery. It does seem like from this extension that the organization, or at least Danny Breer, has some confidence in him that he'll recover and, and get back to something. But it is just a one-year contract. So, you know, a little, little bit of a mixed message there. Yeah, he still has to prove it, no question. But definitely the coach liked him to a degree and listen he's he's got talent he's got puck moving ability he's got some size you don't just want to throw these guys out on the open market because again your own defense isn't that great and if you could find somebody that surprises you or you know outkicks the coverage on what you thought of what he might be as a prospect because again it could take till 25 for some defensemen to really kind of come through it's worth the risk yeah, I think so too. Uh, speaking of Zumala, uh, you know, when we talked about our top line in uh, last week's episode, uh, if everyday listeners might remember, this is a, a similar look at the first game versus the last game for the Flyers with defensive pairings. Uh, the first game of the season, way back in October against the New Jersey Devils, the pairings were Provi, D'Angelo, Sanheim, and Braun, and then Sealer and Zamula. Uh, remember, he started the season with the team. The last game of the season, we had Provi and York, Sanheim and Risto and Sealer and Braun. And um, Risto was injured at the beginning of the season. Right. Uh, so that's probably why he wasn't there and Braun was in there instead. But yeah, I think that, you know, some similarities there and some differences. And you could sort of remember the roller coaster that kind of got us from point A to point B there. Yeah. Well, I mean, we knew Provorov and D'Angelo weren't going to work out, not because of Provorov, because D'Angelo is not a top pairing defenseman in this league. It took, I want to say it took towards two and a half months, almost three months to finally admit, yeah, D'Angelo is a third pairing defenseman. And fine, you know, I, I think he could have come to that agreement, um, decision sooner, but I guess based on the salary and the contract, he was kind of hoping and he hoped against hope and he lost in that situation. So the other part though is Travis Sanheim is very weird for me because, you know, and I know we're going to talk about him more later in the show, but this was a bad season for him. I don't care about analytics. I, you know, he needs to produce offensively. And if he doesn't based on the contract that he got, that is a massive problem for the Flyers. Yeah, it is interesting um, because the best three pairs defensively and goals against per 60 involved Travis Sanheim this season. And so, you know, even though it didn't maybe seem like it to the eye test and because of his offensive output, right? Like when you when you are kind of branding yourself as an offensive defenseman or at least, a you know, a a two-way kind of defenseman player where you can be good defensively and back check and all of that, but you're expected to produce offensively. That's, that's where like the missing piece is, right? Yeah. I mean, 
here's the way we have to look at this. Fairly or unfairly, folks. Starting this this upcoming season, he makes six point two million. You can't put up like twenty five points if you're making six point two million unless you're like the best defensive defenseman in the league. Like you just can't. It will kill your cap. Right. Yeah. And uh, we'll get into kind of what pairing works best for him coming up in the next segment. But uh, I do want to ask you a question, Russ, if you know, and again, plus minus, very nebulous stat, but gets thrown out there a lot for defensemen, especially uh, who had the best plus minus on the Flyers this season? And what was that? Within, you know, two or three. Wow. Um, for defensemen, I will go, I'll go Justin Braun plus four. It was Nick Sealer, and he was a plus one. He was my next choice. Sealer was next on my list. <laughs> yeah, the best defenseman in plus minus for this past season was a plus one. I, I do want to that is atrocious. That is, yeah. As a side, I don't know why we say plus minus is a nebulous stat in the NHL and it's so revered in the NBA. The NBA loves plus minus. Now I get it's a team stat. We all could agree on that, but I don't know. I I, I, yeah. have, I still like it a little better than I think some do, but again, in the NBA, they, they love it. Yeah. I think it's, you know, whether or not you have involvement in the play that leads to the goal is, is nebulous. And that's, that's why, fair. you know, it it's questionable. But uh, yeah, I think that obviously defensively, it, it was just a wreck of a season. Oh, yeah. um, the pairings that, that had the worst expected goals against per 60, Sanheim D'Angelo and Provi D'Angelo, which is not a surprise. D'Angelo, I'm uh, a denominator there, folks. Yep. And the worst goals against per 60, uh, Provi Risto and Sanheim Tony D'Angelo. <laughs> so you know, Tony D'Angelo seems to be the theme here, as as we said. But the interesting thing is, you know, and I was looking at pairings that had 50 minutes together or right. over when I pulled these numbers, you know. So obviously, you know, you're looking at the ones that had like two, three, four hundred minutes together versus 50. It's a different sample size. And I get that. Um, if you looked at the top three uh, pairs in goals against with significant minutes they all involve tony d'angelo but york d'angelo who only got 59 minutes together was pretty decent uh as the flyers go um they had three goals for and zero against <laughs> between them so it's just these like weird combinations and that's like i think an overarching theme of the flyers defense is that there's the just opponent, like right? not good pairings yeah. right I, I think it might depend like on that on that stat there who the opponent was who were the opponents? Could be. Yeah. yeah, it could be. But yeah, I just really think there's some mismatch with, you know, you have individually solid defensemen who don't mix and match well. I mean, that's really where we're at. And it's kind of like what one regime thought was good. Another regime doesn't necessarily think is good. And yeah, now it's like you have a bunch of, you know, I don't know, left-handed socks and you need some right-handed ones, you know, and it's like you got to throw them out eventually. I, it just, yeah, that's what's going to happen with these pairings. I think there's going to have to be some change if there can be, because I don't know if there's a great workable combination long term. 
Right. We're going to get into that and the aforementioned Travis Sanheim conversation coming up next. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Buying tickets to all your favorite events should not be stressful. And Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. They've got killer deals on last minute tickets and their best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting excited for all the fun you will have. My favorite part of the Game Time app is that it's great for getting notified about last minute tickets and flash deals. Plus, you can get views from your seats. The game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Also, the tickets are sent directly to your phone, so you never have to dig through your emails to find it. Snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem with the code locked on NHL for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Coming up on tomorrow's show, we're going to dig more into draft lottery scenarios and uh, bring you our regular Thursday prospect profile. So, very excited for that one. Russ, uh, Travis Sanheim has been a bit of a mystery this past season and figuring out the right D partner for him, I think has been part of his struggle. And, you know, he had been paired up with Risto, with D'Angelo, with Braun, with Sealer, and I don't, and with uh, Ristolainen, but it feels like none of them quite brought the best out in Travis Sanheim. I think that's fair. I mean, you know, I look at his numbers and yeah, it's good that he can get to 20 minutes on the ice. That's good. Uh, it's good that he's, you know, getting a fair amount of blocks, too many giveaways compared to the takeaways. Still not enough offense overall should have more assists. The goals isn't bad. The fact mm-hmm. that he hasn't hit double digit goals ever is kind of a mystery. The fact that he doesn't even play on the power play is completely disappointing because that's where you know some of that value for the contract would have come in if had be he been a power play driver but he's clearly not going to be with John Tortorella unless there's some sort of magic jump there so this is a tough one because uh his no move kicks in now uh he's a good guy he's a good teammate right like he's not going to kill your team but he's going to kill your cap and and this is a big time problem for the Flyers now because they're going to have to move one of their defensemen, and if they end up moving Proveroff, they don't have a, a spot for any. They don't have anybody who could fill that spot. So whoever fills it is going to be inferior compared to what Proveroff did. Filling Trans- Sandheim's spot is completely fillable, but the thing is, you can't really trade him because there's too many years at too high a number. Maybe in like three years you can. Uh, and he's 27. I don't, you know, I don't think he's that much right. better. Yeah, 28. So you know, he is what he is. Yeah, really interestingly, over the course of this past season, at five on five, the guy he was paired with the most, obviously Rasmus Ristolainen, right? Um, The next highest minutes was with Justin Braun, very close with Tony D'Angelo. Although with Tony D'Angelo, it was over 
um, significantly more games with for the same amount of minutes. So when he was paired with D'Angelo, clearly there was a situation where that was the third pairing, right? right? And they were getting fewer uh, minutes. But, you know, looking at the stats behind those pairings, you know, and, and even the the other pairings, you know, when he was with Nick Sealer, when he was with Cam York, the stats are just better. Mm-hmm. Right. If you look at, you know, Corsi four and you look at, um, you know, shots against per 60 for those pairings as a whole much, much better. And so I, I'm very curious to see if there's a world in which, you know, he is paired with Cam York and, and what uh, for more time to see what that could develop into. It, it doesn't like, I think instinctively it makes sense, but I think that maybe there's something there. If you look at the numbers. Yeah. The only way that happens if magically Ronnie Adder turns into a top pairing guy or someone you could throw up there, which I don't see now. Maybe Zamula plays that part for a short time and you could try it. And that's yeah. about it. Yeah. I, I just think it's, um, it, it's a real interesting dilemma here because again, you have him under that contract. It's not something that would be easy to move no. um, relative to moving an Ivan Provorov. Um, the Tony D'Angelo situation is a whole other ball game, which we haven't really gotten into in terms of, you know, what do you do with him next season? <laughs> because you have him under contract for a lot of money and he's provably bad. So I, I just feel like Travis Sanheim is stuck in this mushy middle where there's not much to do with him with the current personnel. Yeah. I mean, right now the Flyers, you would like to think, for a team that has spent a lot on their defense, that it would be better. The fact that it isn't, that's where it really hurts the team because it's like, you know, Risto's contract, not cheap. It's not super expensive. Sandheim's is expensive for what you're getting. D'Angelo is expensive because he's producing some offense, but, you know, not enough to overlook the defense. You know, Nick Sealer's a bargain, but how good is really is Nick Sealer? So, you, you know, you start looking at it, and Provorov, I, th- I still think, is worthy of his minutes, and, and his pay is cheap, I mean, considering what our pairing yeah. guys make. So I don't think that part of it's an issue. But the, just the way the dollars are allocated compared to what the team is getting in value, it's one of the worst in the league. It really is. And I think that, you know, given, again, so you have Zamula potentially coming up next Ooh. season. Adderd is is in the wings, uh, but still not 100% there yet. It just doesn't feel like there's an infusion of, of better talent not coming yet. in to make the puzzle pieces fit together right. better. And we're stuck with what we have. Now, obviously, Justin Braun retired, but Nick Sealer will still be around. Um, there's one more year left on his deal, if I recall correctly. So... I just, this is what concerns me about the Flyers D next year is that, again, there's some individual good talent, but do these pieces fit together appropriately? Right. And, and you know, and so the other thing is, too, is like York going to continually staying on the other side, playing his opposite side where it might be affecting his shooting. I mean, nobody's talking mm-hmm. about it, but his shooting percentage was awful. And so I don't know, is that affecting it? I don't know. They need to kind of talk to him and see he is playing a part, but is it worth it if you could get better production out of him having him on the left side and worried about putting somebody else on the right side like Zamula. 
Yeah, I mean, also, is it possible to move Travis Sanheim over to the right side? Is that something you could you could do and just have York on the left and Sanheim on the right? I don't remember them trying it. I don't think so either. And I'm I'm wondering if that's a possibility. Yeah, and I, or even try Zamula. Like, you know, he's a young guy. Mm-hmm. If he learns it at the beginning, mm-hmm. maybe it'll work out because you're not expecting a lot of offense out of Zamula, but you're expecting more out of York. And I just think they have to be more flexible with that next year in order to find these right combinations because the defense must get better. Like there's no question in order for this team to have any chance. I'm not saying this is a playoff team. I'm saying to have any chance at growth next season, like the defense absolutely has to get better beyond blocking shots. We all know they can do that, but they have to move on from that and improve in other areas. They do. I mean, other than D'Angelo, who had 42 points, everybody else is under 30. And you can't have that in today's NHL. Like, that Mm -hmm. should be a focus of the team is, how are we going to generate more offense from the back end? And I never hear Torts talking about it enough. Yeah. Maybe because it's offense. Maybe because I'm mentioning the word offense. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, play driving is going to be huge. Because they're not going to get the opportunities without good breakouts, without good puck movement coming out of the zone. And um, I I really think that, you know, Zamula and York are going to have to play above significantly what they did this past season. And I'm not saying Cam York was bad. He wasn't. No, he wasn't bad I think he made a lot of really good progress and learned a lot. And I think all of that was important. But yeah, I think, you know, the construction of the Flyers D is going to be a very intricate puzzle for next season. Yeah, it's like the Leaning Tower of Pisa. (laughs) All right. Well, we'll probably have a lot more to talk about on that front as the summer uh, goes on and uh, different player scenarios come up with the change in management and all of that. Uh, In the meantime, we have your mailbag questions to get to, and we will do that coming up next. All right, Russ, our first question comes from Ben, and it's pretty appropriate given our show yesterday where we got into the Phantoms with Sam Wismer. If you haven't listened, go back and, and do that. Some really good stuff. We talked extensively about Bobby Brink, so Ben wants to know how we feel about Bobby Brink. So how do we feel? Um... Seeing that he'll be 22 uh, in July, and he's only played 51 pro games, 10 NHL, 41 AHL, and then, well, three three playoff games, so 54 games. It's just not enough. He hasn't played enough games. We don't know what Bobby Brink is. We know what he used to be, but we don't know what he is going to the next level now. I don't think he will be the scorer that he was like in Denver. But it doesn't mean he can't be a midline scorer where he gets like 40, 45 points. But he's got a ways to go to get there. We hope the skating gets better. This year he kind of had to prove he was healthy. He did. So that's good. Uh, but now he's got to improve you know, away from the puck. That's a big thing. Uh, he has to improve a lot of little things in his game. He started off hot. Then he kind of hit the wall with Lehigh. Uh, we talked about that with Sam. You can go back and listen to that. So right now we're kind of like in this spot where at 22 he has to really start to show that now that Forrester is you know just getting ready to fall off as far as being one of their prospects because you're hoping he's going to be a regular this is the next guy 
he needs to be your your best offensive prospect. And if he doesn't turn that way, then it's going to start going south. Yeah, and we talked a lot about that on yesterday's show in terms of keeping him in Lehigh Valley for the yeah. next year to really, you know, again, because of the surgery and everything, just giving him a full season at the AHL level will give us a little bit more uh, confidence in our assessment of him and his skill and, and, and a good opportunity for growth as well. Yeah. Uh, Rod wants to know, can you see a scenario where Brian Burke comes in as president? I mean, there's always that scenario. I just don't think it's likely because I feel like he, he, I, I know that, you know, he's about bringing fans into markets and I'm sure he respects the hell out of Philly, but this isn't a um, front office that's going to be full of experience. And I don't know if he's going to really be able to sort of like keep it under wraps if he feels like the experienced front office are making mistakes. And I don't know if he's going to be able to sort of keep it all buttoned up, if you know what I mean. So I'm not sure it's an ideal situation for him. Yeah, it feels like at this stage, he's he's more likely to come in to a team in an advisory role. Right. Um, rather than like a full time president. It just yeah. especially how things went down in Pittsburgh. Um, I don't think he's going to be too keen on starting that over again. So soon. Uh, that's a good point. Uh, Craig wants to know if Emil Andre needs the right partner, which is something we talked about on yeah. yesterday's show with Sam. Um, is that right partner currently on the Phantoms roster? If not, do they need to prioritize bringing in a career minor league defenseman who will be the right partner for him? Yeah, I mean, that, I'm not against that, doing that, or even going over um, and getting another Euro and bringing him in, uh, a guy that's, you know, either played with Andre or, you know, or has played in the same league in the SHL. That's fine. Do that. I mean... There's nothing wrong with that, and that could be very ben beneficial for him. Yeah, I mean, the sample size we have with him over here is so small that it's hard to gauge, you know, what a right partnership might look for him, might yeah. look like for him on the Phantoms. But I do think it's something they need to consider, and and that's why it's also important that the Phantoms have their own GM yes. for considering things like this that maybe the Flyers wouldn't when they're trying to just bring in random AHLers, right? They just don't have the time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But it is very important. So yeah. uh, excellent thought, Craig. Uh, Kenny wants to know if the Flyers uh, drop to nine, but Sandy and Pelica is there, do you take him? And would he make a good pair for Emil Andre? These are good questions matching up with each other um, for that Swedish too. Yeah, Sandy Pellick is super smart. So I think he makes a good pair for anybody. Uh, he's a terrific power play guy. He rarely makes mistakes. He's very smooth out there. He has no ego. So he'd be great. The only problem is, do you want to allocate that pick to him? That's where, you know, I kind of have him around 11, which means he might, in my mind, go like 13, 14, 15. But he could be worthy of being picked ninth, but the problem is that the forward market is so good that even though I'm getting the best defenseman, who I I value him as the best defenseman, he's still not a first pairing guy, a second pairing guy. Whereas at ninth, I could still get a top pairing forward, and so I still have to lean towards the forward. 
and worry about the other thing with Andre, fill that a different way. Yeah, that's a, a really good point about, you know, getting an elite forward versus a very good defenseman in right. this particular draft. I, I think that that makes a lot of sense. Uh, Ryan wants to know, what does success next season look like? Looks like having at least two more guys develop, whether that's Zamula and Forster or whoever, if Brink is ready at half season, at least another two two players develop um cap space so they have some breathing room so even if they're at the deadline and even if they're out of it they could take a player from a team that if they feel like you could help them for the next couple of years you can make that deal because you have the cap space um those kinds of things and still be able to pick in the top five because again you're fooling yourself if you think the flyers are going to be anywhere near the playoffs even if even if everybody is healthy i don't believe they're a playoff team so you don't want to be in that middle i'd rather be still developing and having it be okay to make mistakes, but then maybe in two years um, I'll have the cap space. I'll have these draft picks that are going to start to integrate and things are looking a lot better. Yeah. And I would add to that list a significant improvement statistically in special teams. Yeah, I think okay. that's extremely important. Let's bring this up now. We might as well. We got a minute here. I felt like there should have been a change in the coaching staff. It doesn't look like there's going to be any change at all. And to me, that's disappointing because I don't know what they're going to do differently next year to other than saying we'll have some different personnel to really have a better power play and and just better zone entries on the power play with the same coaching staff. I just want to say that. Yeah, it's there's certainly, you know, something to that in terms of looking at the trajectory of special teams over the course of this past season. Again, I think we have to like look at the personnel, look at how they're being coached and you know, I, in some ways I think it could be a missed opportunity to maybe change that up like you yeah. said. Uh but yeah, there's got to be some sort of improvement along those lines. Even if you go to track and add somebody. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. All right, that will do it for today's show. Thanks for making us your first listen and everyday listeners tomorrow on the show. We'll dig into any Flyers news that pops up as well as all the different draft lottery scenarios uh, as we get closer and closer to, to next Monday's ping pong ball extravaganza or lack thereof. I guess they don't actually do the ping pong balls anymore. No. But uh, uh, and we will also do a draft prospect profile. As a reminder, we always want to hear from you. You can send in your mailbag questions via Twitter at Lockdown Flyers. You can email us at Lockdown Flyers at Gmail, or you can comment over on YouTube. I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. I'm Russ. I'm at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y. Have a great day, everyone.